0: Hi, it's Hal Anderson. Thanks for checking out the daily podcast for my show Connecting Winnipeg. And if you can, please listen live weekdays from 10 to noon on 680 CJOB. I'm sorry. I apologize. Simple words. We hear them a lot. We hear them a lot. And I mean a lot from politicians. Yesterday alone, just yesterday, three politicians apologized. Um, I've lost track of the count of apologies for Justin Trudeau. But that's where we'll start. Justin Trudeau had this to say, our prime minister had this to say in Kamloops yesterday.
1: First, I want to again thank Pete Casimir for welcoming me uh, to, to Kamloops to Swatmaq. I had the opportunity this morning to apologize to her and the community in person for not having been here on September 30th. This morning we had an important and necessary conversation about how we, not just as Canadians, but as an entire country, move forward, uh, given the reality of residential schools
0: justin trudeau our prime minister now i really can't keep i I really don't know the number but there have been a lot of apologies from the prime minister but yet right a month ago canadians re-elected him and his government to a minority again uh but still and before i get to the manitoba apologies from yesterday two politicians apologized yesterday um Uh, and not so much about Justin Trudeau, because I I really think we're letting him slide, and and we shouldn't anymore. Some of these mistakes have been major. Now, the two Manitoba politicians, and you'll hear their their apologies in just a second here, not as big a deal, Uh, and we haven't, I don't think, had apologies from these two women before. Um, But my first thought, uh, and you'll hear the apologies, from the Manitoba uh, politicians. My first thought was, well, okay, yeah, no big deal. Accept the apology, you know, and in, in fact, I've probably done what they're you know, apologizing for. Can't think of a time when I did it, but it wouldn't surprise me. It's not that big a deal. And then I thought, maybe I maybe I'm too forgiving. Maybe I should be. Um holding at least some of these politicians that say I'm sorry and and I apologize and say, no, That that's not good enough. That's not good enough. I'd love to hear what you think on this. 204-780-6868 or com. And I'm already getting some reaction. So we'll get to that in just a second. Now, here in Manitoba yesterday, so Justin Trudeau in Kamloops yesterday apologized. Here in Manitoba yesterday, our health minister... Audrey Gordon apologized.
2: I I do believe that um, as Minister of Health, I should be held to a higher standard, and I have always upheld that standard. Uh, I was at a social event. Uh, We were told that while... Uh, eating or or drinking we could remove our masks Um, i did so and uh, while i was seated at the table i was asked to pose for a photo and i got up and joined the the group in the photo neglecting to wear my mask and for that i am deeply deeply i want to apologize for that
0: you know and how the apology goes down matters too right like i really after hearing that and seeing that i I really thought you know what i think she really truly genuinely feels terrible about it uh she's the health minister right bigger deal for her we're holding her obviously to a higher standard because of the position that she holds and then this apology from rochelle squires for the same problem
3: i do uh, also support the public health orders including, uh, the wearing of masks. And I was at an event over the weekend. I took my mask off to eat, drink, and pose for a photo. And for that, I am deeply sorry.
0: So where do you come down on this? And I, and I, and that's why I took a break between Justin Trudeau and then, uh, uh Gordon and Squires, because I think it's sort of two different levels. Okay. Um, but I'd really like to hear what you have to say about this. And as I said, I'm already getting some reaction, this email from Les, Hal. um, About our cabinet ministers having a picture taken together at an indoor event without their masks on. I truly hope there is no public backlash at them for this. I realize they are held to a higher standard because of their positions in government. But they were at an event where they were eating together unmasked and they simply stood up together for a photograph. Again, I realize that perception is everything. But please, let's allow common sense to dictate some of our decisions. I'm sure... There are many who will say otherwise, but I'm on the side of letting this one pass. Again, that's from Les. I, I'm letting it pass, too, um, for Gordon and Squires. Trudeau, not so much. Um, but then, at the same time, I in the back of my head, I think, but maybe I'm not being tough enough on these politicians. Maybe because often when they say, I'm sorry, it goes away. They aren't you know their feet aren't held to the fire about it and and so it gets easy to to do things and think i might get away with it and even if i don't all i gotta do is say i'm sorry or i apologize what do you think about this all right let's get to the phone uh appreciate the calls here we've got chris robert ben and bernie chris we'll start with you these politicians that keep saying i'm sorry um and i at first glance with uh gordon and squires said oh well you know yes okay accept your apology no big deal but then i thought you know maybe maybe this is the problem maybe we're too easy to forgive these politicians what do you think chris
4: yes uh, i i definitely think so we are too easy on them uh, I look at uh, like the, he like Trudeau there. He was invited twice to go out to the Kamloops uh, Indigenous uh, grounds there, and he he went. He decided to go with his family to the beach, and then his uh, office told them that he was off on some meeting or something, and that's not right. And also, he, it's it's like he, he's like Palliser. Like, uh, um, it's it's the same where, well, about the at the time of the ER cuts, look at the problem we're in now. Well, it's necessary, and Palliser never apologized for the ER cuts. And uh, people said, oh, I'm not going to vote them in, I'm not going to vote them in again, and so on and so forth. What happened? You
0: got
4: back in. Same with Trudeau. Yeah.
0: Okay, I know. Also. And and you know, you mentioned Pallister. It's interesting. I think it was really hard at times for Brian Pallister to say I'm sorry. It's not hard at all for Justin <laughs> Trudeau to say I'm sorry. He says it I think too much. And the chief in Kamloops yesterday let him have it. And I loved it. Chris, I appreciate the call. I've got a couple other people I want to get on here. Thanks a lot. Call again soon, please. Robert is on the line at 204-780-6868. Hi, Robert. Good morning, Hal. How are you? Excellent. What do you think? Good. Um,
1: I just want to uh, make a couple of points. One, I'm fully vaccinated. Two, I'm not an anti-masker or an anti-vaxxer. But uh, I think what the health uh, health minister did the other day was atrocious, uh, hypocritical, it just gives throws fuel to the fire for the anti-vaxxers and the anti-maskers. And i was really curious on whether she is going to be given a ticket for violating COVID protocols like so many other people have been given.
0: Yeah. She was asked about that. A reporter said, you know, hey, there might be a ticket here. Would you? And she said, I would gladly pay it. I was wrong. But you make an interesting point. This does send... The wrong. This is the health minister of Manitoba. This really does send the wrong message to people out there that are vaccine hesitant, right? They're saying, well, look, the health minister's not even putting a mask on. She doesn't even care.
1: Absolutely it does. And, and, and people saying they're sorry, uh, I've tried to tell my kids and everybody, you don't need to say sorry sometimes. If you make a mistake, you go, wow, I screwed that up, or Ben, I, I made an error, or whatever. We, as Canadians, we say we're sorry way too often, and we accept sorry way too often from people yep. who constantly violate violate the rules that they set out for everybody else. Mm-hmm. And then they just say they're sorry, and yep. we're all supposed to roll over and put our feet up in the air and say, yep. that's okay, you're still a good person.
0: You're right about the Canadian thing, Robert, too. That, it, it it's devil. We're real easy to say I'm sorry in Canada. We, we're always apologizing for ourselves. And I think you're right. I think we are too easy. Uh, to accept the apology here's somebody else said in a text message you know an apology is fine but then you've got to follow it with action and justin trudeau for sure has not done that because he continues to screw up he continues to mess up and figures all oh, just say i'm sorry and then they reelect him people reelect him so robert i appreciate the call uh burning i'm getting to you you will be last bernie but we'll start here with ben hi ben Okay, Ben is uh, gone, and sorry, uh, Ben, if you couldn't wait, I apologize. I'll try to get to you quicker next time. Bernie, what do you think?
2: Oh, hey, Al, how's it going? I'm sorry. Good. No, I'm just kidding. Um, you know, <laughs> I think that, uh, like, you can hear from everyone calling, and any of these guys are wrong, you know, these are just opinions. So it's yeah. just a hyper-partisan environment. Like, the last guy that called, you tell your kids, and nothing on, no slight on him, you tell your kids you don't always have to apologize. I thought we taught our kids to apologize when you're wrong. Imagine a politician that doesn't make a mistake. Who is that person? You know, I'd like to meet them. When you make a mistake, you own up, you say you're sorry, and you say it yourself. Yeah, the chief there, I saw it too. He gave Trudeau hell, right? He did. Yep. And what did Trudeau do? He sat there in front of the nation and all that yoke on his face what else do people want a, a, a politician a leader well i think they want a guy like that
0: i think what they, they want sorry to interrupt here bernie but i think what they want with justin trudeau you're you're using him as the example here i think they want the mistakes to stop at some point right
2: absolutely and i agree with that i'm not saying what he did was right or i'm not justifying but at the end of the day brass tactile when it comes down to it you screwed up what's he supposed to do Put on a yeah. press conference and say, "I resign as prime minister. I didn't accept the the invitation." You
0: put your face. No, <laughs> no. In, front of no, him in fact, him, right. In in fact, he stop. runs. In fact, Bernie, he runs for re-election, and Canadians re-elect him. So, listen. I got Brenda's on the line, and I want to get Brenda in, and I've only got a minute and a half. Bernie, I appreciate you waiting, and thanks for the call. Hi, Brenda. Hello. How are you? Excellent. What do you think of this?
5: Well, I think it's ludicrous because you know my opinion is. A politician or even a rock star out there or somebody that's famous, you know what, we all make mistakes. And everyone, like, for what they're doing, yes, that was a mistake, but they're human. And we're allowed to make mistakes. And mm-hmm. I think if somebody says, I'm sorry, that is a big acceptance in life. Because you know what, I'm sorry, that should be enough. And I you know what, like what Robert was saying earlier with the kids, you teach them, you teach that. But mm-hmm. you know, they're just human, like you and I, and yeah. we all make mistakes in life. And I'm sorry, should be 100% acceptable, just like Trudeau. He's got his own life. He's got whatever, the indigenous day that day that he went and did what he did. Well, he's human, so that's my opinion
0: okay and you know what it's a nice way to end the segment brenda because that was my initial reaction at least with gordon and with squires right ah they said i'm sorry i've I've done it myself you go oh damn i gotta get the mask or you know so i I, but i think the trudeau is a different level just for me but i appreciate the call brenda and i like the way you ended the segment thanks a lot
5: oh thank you for letting me be on your show i love your show by the way
0: thank you thank you brenda let's uh, talk about the strike vote yes the faculty association at the university of manitoba has voted 85 in favor of strike action if necessary brendan scott is the president of the university of manitoba students union brendan good morning
6: good morning Hal. good to hear from you
0: yeah your initial reaction
6: um not surprising uh we kind of saw this coming from a mile away uh the hope was that The university and UMFA could get a deal done before they had to get to this point, but unfortunately we are here. Um, But as the month of October has gone on, I've been informing students to stay updated on all the bargaining that has occurred at the table and have told students to um, just look out for this to come. So I I hope students aren't too shocked by the results uh, that occurred uh, yesterday. Or this
0: morning, I should say. Sure, yeah, we got the results this morning. Orby Dingwall is a president of the University of Manitoba Faculty Association. She was on the start this morning. And Greg Mackling asked her a great great question here, Uh, Brendan. Let me play back Greg's question and her answer, and then I want to get your reaction to it.
1: It's been understood that there's been support from students for faculty in their negotiation process, but could that change? Does that narrative potentially flip Once a strike mandate is declared and a strike vote is taken and there's now this, you know, this declaration that, yep, we're in a strike position. Our members say that we're good to go. Are you concerned now that goodwill between students and uh, faculty may disappear?
3: Yeah, certainly this is a, a very stressful time for students. University is always a stressful time. I know midterms are happening right now. Um, and that uh you know students are just trying to keep their heads down and stay focused on their studies but uh we've been meeting with a lot of student groups and and like you mentioned we've been receiving letters of support for them uh because When they're in their classrooms, it's our members who are teaching them and it's our members who are uh, mentoring them and providing them research opportunities and who are engaging with them on a daily basis. Um, and, And so they know how challenging it is right now for students, know how challenging it is for our members. Um, students also know that the, they have long wait lists to get into mandatory classes that they need to graduate. And they know a big part of that reason um, that there are those wait lists is because we have a lot of vacancies right now because we're not able to um, recruit and retain our members. So uh, we students are really smart. That's why they're at university and they recognize what the issues are. Um, and, and we look forward to continuing to meet with the student groups.
0: I apologize. A longer answer there from Orvi Dingwall, uh, Brendan, but um, I guess it, it, in the end it comes down to each individual student, right, and whether or not they support the faculty in this if there ends up being job action.
6: Absolutely, and I've been in constant communication with Orvi over the past couple of weeks. Uh, when it comes to students and their opinion on uh, the strike, it does come down to communication and knowing all the facts. Uh, when it comes to UMSU's stance, this board meeting on Thursday that we're having uh, has both sides, both the university and UMFA coming to present to our boards and our, and our students uh, and having them, they'll have then there's a motion on the table for them to either support the university or UMFA. And uh, hopefully uh, they'll make the informed decision now having all the information. Uh, I think uh, Orby's answer is correct there that um, they have been made meeting with a lot of student groups. Uh, students are smart they' You know they, this isn't the first for many students. This isn't the first time that they're going through this. As we went through this last year, I think students are more lenient towards UMFa these days uh, as they they've seen them uh, be treated unfairly. And and she's right about the retention of professors right now. Uh, it, it, a lot of. Classes have long wait lists, uh, in particular computer science. I've had so many students reach out saying that they're unable to get into their required computer science programs or classes, uh, and they're unable to continue with their program. And that comes down to the the retention of professors. Uh, We are ranked the lowest in terms of salary in the U15, and we lose out on a lot of great professors to these universities, uh, either not being able to hire them in the first place or having U of M professors go on to these institutions because that is better pay and working conditions um so yeah overall um or- orby's right in the response there
0: and faculty association orby says you know there's still room uh, there's still time to get a deal done we, you know it doesn't have to be there doesn't have to be a strike here are you optimistic that with a new premier coming in you know we're 10 days out from a new premier um that maybe a deal might get done here
6: absolutely i think students need to be informed on the fact that just because they can strike doesn't mean they will strike. It has been said that UMFA will have a bargaining mandate uh, that if by a certain date a deal is not met, they will go on strike. So this gives some leeway into the university being able to offer new things to UMFA. Um, I think with uh, what's going on, apologies, can you repeat that second part of that question?
0: No, I'm just wondering, with a new premier 10 days oh, out, yeah. you know, new leadership, might that uh, in, encourage a deal to get done here? Absolutely. Uh,
6: yes. Thank you for the reminder. Sure. With the government, the government, I believe, should not play a part in these negotiations. It, it's frustrating. They were involved last year to uh, setting a 0% increase mandate, and the university had its hands tied. I also think that plays a part when the university comes to present to our board. They most likely will state that... They're feeling pressure from the government to to not give them the professors what they what they deserve. Um, I, the hope is that with a new premier, uh, they actually stay hands off in these negotiations and aren't forcing a mandate onto the university. Um, because of there, I don't think that the government should play a part in these labor negotiations between the MFA and the u- university.
0: Mm-hmm. And then one final question for you. How much of a distraction is this? <laughs> you know, your members, students have been through this before, as you pointed out, and, and Orvi pointed out as well on the start this morning. How mu- I know some exams are happening right now. How much of a distraction is this, right? I mean, an 85% overwhelming strike vote. Uh, this has to be on the minds of students at the University of Manitoba.
6: Absolutely. They're very distracted. They're constantly having to be look into what's currently occurring. Uh, whether or not and worry about whether or not the classes are going to be interrupted. Um, the hope is that they're not. Um, I personally, uh, am going to support EMFA, but there are two sides to the stories, and may and maybe a lot of students are going to look into things and realize that yes, the university hands are tied with the government mandate. Um, the hope that there is there is no interruption. But I've been in constant communication with students, letting them know that just because the strike vote went through doesn't mean that classes will be interrupted. And there's preemptive steps that students can take to make sure that they are uh, safe in, in their pro- um, program progression. They can uh, download course materials because we've seen in the past some professors remove course materials off UM-Learn, uh, which greatly affects the students. But um, if students can go in and download their course materials now to maybe prevent uh, interruption if, if the professors were to go on strike and still have the course material that could help out, and finally, I think what students could do is go ask their specific professors whether they're actually a part of UMFA, as not every professor here at the U of M is part of the that association, uh, so they can learn which classes could potentially be interrupted if there was to be a strike.
0: Brandon, thanks a lot. I think the best thing that can happen here uh, without picking sides, you don't have to pick sides to hope for a deal, right, and and for a strike to be averted.
6: Uh, absolutely. We want whatever leads to there not being an interruption in our students progression of their programs
0: right brendan thank you thank you Hal. brendan scott is the president of the university of manitoba students union the umfa the faculty association voting 85 percent in favor of job action you know another uh, good question on the start this morning came from Lauren mcnab uh for orvi uh, Dingwall, the head of the University of Manitoba Faculty Association, as we end the segment here, I'll play Loren's question and Ori's answer. And, and there is uh, a call to action at the end of this clip. And, and I would suggest that you should uh, the, take, uh, take it on and, and do it. This has
7: been a really frustrating situation for students who last year dealt with the threat of the strike in 2016. There was a strike. This seems to be happening often, and this maybe there's room for negotiation. But this kind of puts their future into a very uncertain territory. So what do you say to them?
3: Yeah, it's it's really it's really tough. We absolutely recognize that. And so we say to students, talk to your your professors and instructors. And also um, we encourage students, but also their family members, to get in touch with their local MLAs and let them know um, about how hard this is on students. Because a large part of the reason that we are in this current uh, situation is that our wages have been frozen essentially since 2016. And that has been... Um, uh, directly related to the government and the um, and their wage freeze legislation, and so the university is supposed to be autonomous or independent from the government. And we're increasingly seeing um, the government's involvement in these negotiations. So um, just encourage students to talk to their faculty, uh, get to understand what the issues are. And also, um, you know, as as uh, everyone is feeling the pressure of this moment, just to uh, also talk to their um, elected members of the legislature.
0: Contact your MLA. Let them know how you feel about this. That is uh, Ori Dingwall from the start this morning. Diana McMillan is a sleep consultant and associate professor at the University of Manitoba. Diana, good morning.
7: Good morning. How are you?
0: Excellent. Thanks for doing this. I mentioned time change. Now, as near as I can figure, and I guess it's going to be a while before they announce the official results uh, in Alberta but they did vote on the idea of year-round daylight saving time and just based on what I've been reading this morning it looks like it's going to be a close no so they're going to leave things alone unless that and it could change but it looks like it's going to be a a close no vote in Alberta uh, year-round daylight saving time good idea or not
7: uh Well, actually, uh, no. Overall, although keeping to a a, a steady time is better, I just don't think that um, going to um, year-round daylight saving time is actually the best option. So, we probably should stay with one time, but it probably should be standard time. Isn't that?
0: Sorry, finish your thought.
7: Oh, sorry. Uh, And the reason I say that is that. Um, standard time is, is actually where we have the best balance for the light, um, all year round. So while it's, you know, we'll miss those long summer nights, <laughs> you know, when we have daylight saving, uh, saving, um, unfortunately we pay for it, uh, during the, the winter months where it's particularly dark, um, uh, during our work
0: day. We talked a lot about this yesterday, and that was my beef. I said, you know, I I don't know. Greg Macklin, we're going to talk hockey with him in a few minutes here. He was making the point on the start yesterday morning that he thought standard would be a better choice. I I sort of said, I'm not sure. I'd have to give it more thought, but I do like the idea of not having a time change a couple times every year.
7: And and actually, that that time change, um, although you know historically it was. It was thought to be uh, uh, monetary savings during uh, uh, World War one you know they were trying to save money on um, on using electricity uh, and so that was that was certainly part of that um, but we do know that there are Um, health risks, both in terms of um, accidents. Um, As we spring forward uh, an hour, people are often a little more rushed, uh, a little sleepier, and it's darker. And so we do see a peak in the spring for car crashes and pedestrians getting hit. Um, And, you know, in part it's because of the, you know, sort of sudden extra darkness, and in part, it's because people are rushed and and sleepier. In the fall, um, we may have uh, to be extra careful uh, because it's sort of an unexpected uh, extra dark early in the evening. And uh, so we might see some pedestrians, um, you know, being at greater risk uh, on the drive home. But in the morning, um, our driving uh, performance in the number of collisions is much, um, much lower. So we also see, um, you know, it's it's hard uh, when we flip back and forth. Some people can do this really easily, especially if you're younger. But um, some individuals actually struggle even with an hour change uh, because that circadian rhythm is persistent and so they're they're still awake for that extra you know uh, that extra hour so it, it it isn't i don't think overall um a good thing for us to hang on to
0: yeah and uh sometimes it's more difficult than other times time changes right like sometimes i i manage it pretty well and then other times it really is a problem, so it's it's sort of interesting. Uh, but as far as our health goes, and there are other factors, obviously, uh, in Alberta, who knows why they s- decided to you know suggest daylight uh, saving time year-round? But for our health, the best approach would be standard if we were to go with one, and certainly sticking with one is better than changing it twice a year.
7: That that is what the uh, growing evidence is supported supporting in the sleep Mm -hmm. community and um, and standard time is really sort of the one that maximizes uh, the sun being sort of at its uh, highest in the middle of the day and so that's where you're going to have sort of the best balance of uh, light and dark and um, that's why they you know that's why they call it standard right Um, daylight saving as you're sort of in the northern hemisphere I um, guess are far southern but he- here in the northern hemisphere we we have more um, light um, and uh, in our summer season and, and we try to sort of capitalize on that a little longer um, but you know the f- the flipping back and forth uh, has its cardiovascular perils as well as um, adding to um, our sleep disturbance and unfortunately we're you know as a society we we don't do very well with um, having good quality sleep many uh, of us are either sleep deprived or have a significant sleep disturbance and so um, I don't really think that the benefits are outweighing the, the you know, sort of the, the extra light in the evening. Uh, and so my vote, unfortunately, I've, I've got people who are really annoyed with me, including one of my daughters. <laughs> but, um, you know, from a, a health uh, sleep professional perspective, we should stick with standard time and uh, we shouldn't um, keep moving back and forth um Mm -hmm.
0: so yeah and and,
7: that is
0: (laughs) yeah right and before i let you go you mentioned you know that many of us struggle with our sleep and i think it's gotten worse during the pandemic i've talked to some friends and family members that never struggled before they are struggling now my wife has always struggled with her sleep difficult to get to sleep and then once she's asleep it's difficult for her to kind of stay in that deep sleep Uh, me not so much Uh, for many many years i could you know if i had 10 minutes i could put my head back on the couch and i'd be out and and i'd be good to go i am struggling with my sleep this is unusual for me and as i said other family members and loved ones are struggling too that never struggled before is this uh something that we're going to have to deal with for a while because of the pandemic anxiety stress what is it
7: uh well we've definitely seen an increase in sleep uh, disturbances, and there's it's it's um, based probably on several factors. So I think you've hit upon several of them. How so? Um, you know, we're we're often more stressed. Maybe you know we've lost our job, or you know we're not really certain about our our finances because we've had cutbacks or whatever. Um, many individuals uh, have been in their homes far more often than they normally would be. Right. They were previously, they might've been out playing team sports or going to the gym more often, or just even out and about in the community. And, um, you know, we've, we've been much more, um restrained and contained within our within our uh, homes now there's a great program about uh, i don't know if you've seen this uh, pa Rx. Um, it's like a prescription for going yes. outside in the park, right? And uh, um, so, you know, my uh, my advice to folks is get out as much as you can, um, and it, you know, socially distance. Certainly, nature is really helpful to reduce that anxiety, but also the the idea that we often lost our normal routine. So mm-hmm. instead of you know getting up and driving to work or biking to work or walking. to work uh, and being there for a certain amount of time and then, you know, back home and into our routines um, throughout the week and, and sort of maybe different for the weekends, our schedules really got disrupted. Um, many folks are still working from home. And so... There may have been a lot more cups of coffee or more yeah. alcohol. Uh, you know, that's also been a problem for a lot of folks who have uh, struggled um, with those additional stressors. And so there's been a culmination of factors. And so, um, you know, I think we need to be kind to ourselves and to other people and get out, even on a blustery day like today. Mm-hmm. Bundle up. Um, and get some daylight and if you can't if you're not healthy enough to actually get outside sit near a window um, and get some of that daylight read a you know read a paper listen to the radio beside the window for a while and that will help to sort of entrain your natural rhythm
0: diana thanks for your time today
5: you're very welcome
0: Appreciate it. Diana McMillan is a sleep consultant and associate prof at the U of M. By the way, speaking of those uh, elections in Alberta yesterday, one of the things people voted on was year-round daylight saving time. Also, uh, Calgary gets its uh, first female mayor, and in Edmonton, their first mayor of color. Uh, Again, some of these results not final, but that's what it looks like with the mayors of Calgary and Edmonton. (laughs) All right, my weather expert buddy, Bruce Johnson now. Uh, Bruce, good morning. Good morning. Well, where did second summer go, huh? (laughs) Yeah, it went out the door.
8: And we had 21.5 yesterday. It just missed the record, or at least the modern record, of 21.7 set in 1942. The all-time record is 22.8 set in 1914.
0: I will not be sitting on the deck today. I did yesterday. I had my lunch on the deck yesterday. Not today.
8: No, it's, uh, it's not only, it, now it's uh, you know right around average as far as temperature, but it's windy, so it feels a lot colder than that. The next couple of days will be some wind tomorrow, very little wind on Thursday, so it'll be a pretty nice day it'll see about average temperatures, but it's not going to be blowing your head off.
0: Problem with average, though, is when you're not used to it, when you're used yep. to really nice temperatures, average feels pretty darn cold.
8: Exactly, you get spoiled. Now, in January, well, let's say not in January, but let's say in March, a day like, this, without the wind, would feel warm.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's true. And you wanted to weigh in on the uh, year-round daylight saving time.
8: Right, and this isn't an opinion. It's simply what's fact. There's a sunrise, sunset, but there's also something called solar noon or meridian. That's where the sun is exactly at 180 degrees, and so it's exactly to our south. That is 1.13 p.m. right now. We can take daylight time off. It would be 12.13 p.m., And the reason, though, that it's 13, you know, it's 1.13 or 12.13, that's simply our position within the time zone. Places like Kenora, it's going to be just about noon or 1 o'clock. You go to Brandon, it's going to be closer to 1.20 or 12.20. So that's Hmm. why it's not exactly on the hour.
0: All right. Interesting. And uh, just back to the weather for a second. So we're looking at single digits and at least some sunshine over the next several days until Sunday when they're saying we're going to see some moisture. Are are you seeing, uh, but then it warms up a little bit too uh, with exactly, the cloud and, and the and precipitation. Gonna warmer,
8: yeah, it's going to bring some warmer weather with it. So you have the chance of rain, but it looks you know considerably warmer, maybe as high as something like 13 uh, on some of those days. So that's well, milder than average, but, of course, you know, we could have a cold front come in after that. But, you know, I don't see it yet, but it's possible it could get pretty chilly, and it's going yeah. to. It's just that is a is pretty much a warm front. It's coming from a warm source. It's going to pump up some warm air, so it will be warmer, even though it will probably be wetter.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, we know it's at some point, right? It's just a matter of time. We know it's going to get real darn cold around here um so we're i don't know 10 days out from halloween any idea what halloween might look like for weather and uh any precipitation uh that you're seeing significant maybe in the form of snow or what can you tell us about uh, uh about precipitation snow and the real cold weather
8: yeah i don't really see any chance of snow anytime soon they're just not showing up yet uh the main precipitation would be this na- this next rain event early next week, Sunday and Tuesday. Um and then some of that may consolidate, you know, maybe on two days rather than three of those the what, that's what's showing up right now. It's mm-hmm. not really showing much after that for a while. It's Halloween um doesn't look exciting one way or the other. It's kinda of pretty much seasonable and right now it looks dry that day and Maybe there'll be a ghost of a chance of rain, but um, I don't know yet. It's just too far away. Yeah. But it doesn't look uh, spectacularly warm or cold. It it really looks, it, you know, as far as a weather geese concerned, it's pretty boring. But it yeah. doesn't look – I don't see a major change from what we're going into now um, over the next couple of weeks. So it's going to be cooler. It's obviously a yeah. lot cooler, closer to average. Uh, the big warm spell is over. And I don't see us plunging into winter yet. All right,
0: Bruce. Thank you, pal. Yeah, talk to you later. My weather expert, buddy Bruce Johnson. Best way to get to his weather website is to go to my site. Just go to Halanderson.ca. Halanderson.ca and you can click through to Bruce's site there. Ask about Halloween, because really Halloween is the perfect uh holiday for this pandemic, right? You're you're outside, the kids are outside. You can, you know, um, social distance you're you're walking outside everybody's likely got a mask on i mean hopefully the the kids can get out there and uh and celebrate halloween if not the way they normally do very close uh to normal